podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, I'm James. Welcome to the Australian Opinion on Formula One here at the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast. In this episode, we preview the Bahrain Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friends and yours, Thomas J. Camp. G'day, mate. Gentlemen, how are you? Very well, thank you. And Tommy T. Fellas. Fellas. The fellas. I always, I always have to expect to say very well and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Campy always asks how say, yeah, good we collectively are, even though I've not introduced yeah. everyone Hello, yet. Hello, listener. How we are, are back. you? We're, We're back, back on the flagship. This is the flagship, The isn't flagship. It? This yeah. is the diamond in the rough. <laughs> very rough to my left. <laughs> very diamond to my right. <laughs> We'll makes me in, I guess. Is. <laughs> uh, this is the start, really, of what will be a uh, an exceptional season of content. Listener, you're in for a treat. We, we, we've had a lot of fun in the last couple of days. Uh, Tommy T has arrived back in the country. We uh, reviewed the whole of Season 5 of Drive to Survive. If you've not listened to that episode yet, go back and do that, please. Um, we spoke a little bit about testing as well on Monday. Uh, Campy is our testing guru and everything to do with tech regulations. And in amongst all of that, we've been speaking about the other bits of content that we're going to do this year. And I think we're pretty excited, Campy. It's our fifth season, which is just Joyce. ridiculous. I can tell you what I'm not excited for, and that's Drive to Survive. <laughs> he hasn't you watched have, it. You he haven't even listened to the episode yet, have you? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Didn't even know you recorded one. Oh, good. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, no, it is. Uh, I understand why people are drawn to that side of the sport, and it is good for the sport. But I watch every race and every session anyway, so I'm – Pretty sure You're not I'm, the target I'm, market. No, I'm not. I'm across <laughs> what's going on, and I hope real housewives though. And married at first sight. This guy, <laughs> he just has it on his dual screen. He watches both at the same time. Love that. Love that. Just picture in picture. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, listen, we've got a, a new setup in terms of content uh, per week during the year. Um, we're going to have, have up to about seven episodes during a race week if we have an interview, and uh, we don't. We do have an interview uh, with uh, Tony Cow Brown and Freya. Have had a great chat, and she's a brilliant content creator from the US. So, uh, we will be releasing that one in between the Bahrain race and the Saudi Arabian race because there's two weeks there. So, that'll be a good one to have. But a whole bunch of other content, which means a slight change up to how a lot of the shows will work. Um, and so, for our Jewel in the Crown episode. We're just doing team by team analysis now because there's plenty to talk about generally about individual drivers. So yeah. what we'll do, lads, is we're going to start with the uh, with the results from last year in terms of team by team, and we'll work our way through. Just have a bit of a chat and maybe expectations of drivers too. So let's go right to the very back, uh, which is Williams, and of course they got a new lineup this year. Alex Albon is alongside Logan Sargent. Uh, Tommy T, he's been a he's a rookie this year, but it's not the first time we've spoken about Logan Sargent. If you remember yeah. Oscar Piastri in Formula Three, he and Oscar were in a good battle together. Uh, were they for a lot of it? Yeah, they were good. Ba- it like, was, there was never a battle. No, no, no but it was it good. Feel like it, it was good racing though, in terms of what was happening in the front. Because at that point in Formula One, it was a bit boring because Lewis was winning all the time. Yes. Oscar didn't win every race in Formula Three. So yeah, there, there was some interest. Anyway, Logan Sargent has finally made it to the forefront in Formula One. Um, he brings an American driver the first time since Alex Rossi, which is quite a while ago now in the grand scheme of things. Yep. How do you feel that they're going to go this year? Smart marketing from Williams. I think that is like the brilliant choice to get a US driver in as soon as possible. I'm surprised Haas didn't go down that path uh, as well. But I think Williams look strong from testing. They... Looked solid. Campy said they were a bit shaky, but they showed some moments. So be interesting to see if they've improved on last year because that car was pretty average. But I think Albon is a great driver. I think he'll be a good number one and hopefully Logan Sargent finds some form and can get it done. But with new management as well. So they've had a, a big sh- big shift. Um, Yost has, has left. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that team goes under, under James. Yeah. Um, you're our design king. It's mm-hmm. fair to say. What do you think of the Duracell placement on the Williams? It's good. It's yeah, good. It like is you, good. Yeah. Yeah. I that's mean, a what, contented. That's good. Very good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Nailed it. Well, they moved to the Lavazza out the way, so finally they could move yeah, another brand. Definitely. There. But they don't have much sponsorship, it seems. Like their car's pretty empty but compared got- to the McLaren, which is just a sticker. Well, but they <laughs> 
just tires. Just looks like one of it's those, a mobile like, billboard, yeah. an electric one oh, now. Oh, they're changing. Those Google wheels. Oh, it just looks like a like a Winnebago in the US with bumper stickers all over it. It's <laughs> covered. Uh, but the golf. The sponsorship yeah, has shifted cool. from cool. from McLaren to Williams. Yeah, I mean, looks that. great, doesn't it? it. Yeah, and yeah. Campy, as we said on our testing uh, little chat on Monday, um, they look pretty quick. Williams, I know we don't really take a lot from testing, but yeah. it, they, it the the car looks a little stable, more stable probably than last year. Yeah. And James Vowles is an incredibly amazing leader, as we know. When Toto wasn't there, James would be the one who would sort of step up, uh, and. I mean, if there's anything good happening this year, that's all praise to Yost because James can't fix things in a month. But otherwise, the team does look pretty good and we want Williams, right, to get back to find their form. Yeah, for me, Williams are one of those teams. They're not they're not a Ferrari, but the history in the sport goes before them. And it's a shame to see them where they've been for the last five or six years in the sport. But uh, they've look, I, I, was, I was critical of them in our testing uh, chat and I just made the point that when the car was under high loads, the inputs into the steering wheels that the drivers were making to make all the corrections, it seemed to me that the car was as not as planted and what it should be. But they were, what, 2.3 seconds faster yeah. this year in testing than they were last year. So there's been gains made, and, and you can read as much or as little to, into that as possible. But um, I want to see that midfield pack, and particularly those bottom two teams, like your Williams and like your Saubers or your Haas at times where they were 30 seconds behind everyone after five or six Getting laps. Lap. I don't like seeing that in F1. I want a really competitive midfield. Yes. And I, the midfield extends from you've got your top three teams and then your rest. And I would hope that qualifying and race race situations for those drivers, they have to be on it all the time. Otherwise, that if they lose three tenths, that means they're going to be seven or eight positions back on the grid. Yeah. Which which is good for the sport. And I want to see Williams get better. So- I think I think when George Russell was there. George really took that team in a direction yeah. that uh, that skyrocketed them. He got some really good results, particularly on qualifying. We knew the car was good over one lap. But last year they, they made some strides again. And this year I'm expecting them to be really competitive in that deep second-tier pack. I'm not calling it midfield anymore. We can call it whatever. But, yeah, yeah they'll be good and I think they're well-placed. And as for the historical nature of that team – that goes before them and their reputation. I want to see them do well as well. So James Vales' head across, do you think he's had enough time to make really big changes or was most of that car's development underway? Yeah, look, look, these cars have sort of started 12 months out really. There's always people on the team that are deciding and that is based off what they've done in the previous year as well. So um, he will bring more of an organisational structural change to it, whatever that looks like. I'm not sure about corporate management styles in F1 yeah. and what it looks like. But, but I think uh, they lost some key kind of designers and aero people and stuff as well. I think there's been a big shift within that upper management yeah. team. And when they make changes like this, I don't think we'll see his input come into fruition probably the second half of the year yeah. in his leadership styles and the restructure that they've done. Takes time. It's a bit like, yeah. you know, you can't turn these things on a dime. They're like moving ships, as you would like to describe me yeah, sometimes, Tommy. <laughs> They're hard. <laughs> hard to change direction. Your aircraft but, um, carrier can yeah. be. Tanker can be. <laughs> you prick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll be, I'm excited to see Williams. I think the livery looks great. The Duracell thing, oh, it's great for me. I, yeah. I, I like that stuff. We would say the trajectory is up. Yes, yeah. as it needs to be because this is a team that has had such bloody phenomenal results as an independent team for so very long. Yeah, um, We'd love to send them back towards the front. Let's talk about your favourite driver, Tommy T, this year. We're going to Alpha Tauri. We're going to Yuki Sonoda immediately. Give us your whole thoughts. I'm in. I'm Team Yuki. I'm a big fan. I think as a character in the sport, he's probably number one closely followed by Bottas, I think, at the moment, as, as my two favourites. He's superstar. I think he has the raw talent and your chat with Michael was excellent, kind of gleaming into a bit more of the professionalism and things they're working on, mental stability and kind of pushing through and persevering. Uh, I think if Yuki can unlock those things and deal with stress better and deal with those moments when things aren't going his way during a race, 
I think we can see incredible results because there was moments where you're like, this guy is an unbelievable talent. He can't put it together for a whole two-hour race. That was the issue he's had, I think. Blistering qualifying pace and like sometimes through practices, you're like, this is the best car out there. But then the consistency and things was just letting him down. I wonder if the uh, the opportunity to be the number one driver with someone fresh coming in, he's had two years in that car, whereas DeVries is new. But DeVries is a professional. So that's something mm. that he's going to have and to watch Dutch. out for. And he's Dutch. And it feels wrong to go against the Dutchman. However, Yuki is my guy. Yeah, Freya very excited to have another Dutchman on the grid. Yeah. So I'm glad that the other Dutch person in this podcast is is behind Yuki. Uh, What do you think, Campy? DeVries is a world champion. Don't forget. Yeah, but I could be a world champion at fucking Uno or something and it would mean the same thing. It's like... He's racing electric race cars, not I a real race. I heard you're a bit of a Rubik's Cube <laughs> savant. Anyway, moving on. But- he doesn't know what savant means. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, he, oh, man, he, he's one of these guys that didn't get his chance in Formula 1 early when he came out of his F2, F3. Went on to Formula E, took the opportunities that he had, and it, and he got he got it. He got a got a drive last year and really cemented his position on the grid for this year. Which that's all you can ask the guy to do. I yeah, mean, he's got the professionalism. He's obviously got the talent because he's in the car. And uh, Yuki will be under some pressure this year because Yuki's going to have to take just because he's been in that team for two seasons now, he's going to have to take a lot of the pressure about, you know, testing new things on weekend, being that team leader on track and, and developing the car more so than what than what he has to. So the pressure's on Yuki this year. I think this, I think he'll perform under the pressure. But, uh, yeah, DeVries, well, let's see what he can do. I mean, I'm excited for him. It's great. It's great that he got his chance because the stories of people not getting their chance after yeah. the career tra- trajectory that he took, he's the exception to the rule. There's exactly. not a lot of guys that get a chance. I can only think of Brendan Hartley that's gone off into other categories and done well, that's come back into that F1 fold if you're outside of the F2, F2 F3. So, um, And he's I, older too, right, 28? I'm, st- I'm stoked for him. It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's great. And I I hope he cements himself. Do I think he's a world champion? I don't think I've seen enough or know enough about him to be able to make that decision. But, hey, all you can do is perform at your best. Well, we'll see this year. He'll be and there for a long time. Alpha Terry were ninth last year, which is not where they belong traditionally. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see how they move ahead. Let's talk about Haas now. Hulking back again. Uh, very bizarre times that we live in in this Formula One world, but it also goes to show that anything can happen. Um, Haas obviously benefiting from Ferrari developments, Campy. Uh, not that you saw this, but we saw in the beginning of yeah, Drive to Survive uh, the the Gunther relationship with then Mattia Bonotto and him going into the Ferrari factory and, and being part of that. You know, I think if Ferrari are going to continue making the gains that they have, then Haas are in a good spot too. Yeah. And I want them. Can I just say I really want them to do well this year as well? As do I. Uh, sorry? As do I. Yeah, I just honestly fantastic team. And I love that, you know, they really got it sent to them. They had to get pay drivers in. They were right down the very bottom. And yeah. Kevin Magnussen's fifth, like first race back, yeah. brand new regulations was pure joy for I think a lot of people, exactly like his Brazilian pole. Um, but Hulken back, Hulkenberg is an interesting one, Tommy T, isn't it? Because yeah. for a while there, I mean, he was done. He didn't really want to come back, but he had some star drives in the last couple of years, including yeah. in Bahrain in uh, in lieu of Lance Stroll um, for, for that Aston Martin. He's just a super sub for the last like couple of years, hasn't he? He's been like the one person that everyone's wanted to get back and he showed that jumping into a car fresh – he still had that ability that we knew he had. It's it's such an interesting career that he's had so many race starts and so little kind of reward for that. For someone that we would all say is a very talented driver, probably more unlucky than not good enough to get a podium. I would probably put him in that category. I don't think he's not been good enough to get a podium. It just hasn't been his like luck. I remember like where there was a couple and he just like would spin out with Germany. two laps to go in Germany. Germany 29. Oh. Just brutal. Like he was right there. He had everything going for him and just couldn't couldn't get across the line. Like yeah. he's been so unlucky and you hope that maybe this is a, a redemption tour and he can come back and do some good things. In saying that though, he's never had a car that deserves to be on the podium or yeah. deserve to be winning races. So, But what he did with that Sauber oh, back know. in the day, I, I oh, know. my God. 
and he his junior his junior career was probably the best results wise we've ever seen from a junior career. Yeah, his career never once he got into F1 didn't take that trajectory, and that wasn't through any fault of his own being in those cars, in my opinion. But it was wrong time, wrong place for yeah. him when teams like a seat opened up in a top team. He was always contracted, never could get out of it, or they wanted to go another direction because he was in the wrong, you know, pathway up to yep. the top or whatever that looks like. So, yeah, but he's slipped back into this car and he's almost gone unnoticed for me, even in testing this weekend. He's just slotted back in, contrament professional, yeah. doing all the right things, putting some big laps over testing, and him and Magnuson will work together. Um, hopefully they don't crash like the Haas seem to have magnets together. Um, I've got a question. If he got Perez's seat, do you think he would do as well or as – like how would he compare to Perez in that second Red Bull seat? Oh, I think he'd be just as good as Perez. Yeah, and that's kind of where I put him. Perez has got lucky with the timing. Was in a a situation where a seat opened up, whereas Hulkenberg just never got that opportunity, like you said. Like wrong place every time. The fact that he was the option if Lewis Hamilton said no at Mercedes. Yeah. Like that also says a lot to me in terms of how that team felt about his potential and his future. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how Haas do this year. Let's talk about Aston Martin now because Fernando Alonso looked absolutely on fire. Uh, TT, we love that he's accepted his villain role in Formula 1. Big time. He goes up against Lance Stroll, who we didn't see because of his uh, cycling crash. So we had Felipe Drogovic, which was fantastic to see the F2 champ Get it, get some running, and yep. the Aston Martin didn't just say, "I oh, will just run Alonso the entire time and try and get a, a way around Alonso the rules." Get stuffed. Well, I, I'm assuming there's some rule that will be split driving or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. but you know what Fernando's like. But as Campy said in the testing chat we had on Monday, great looking livery. You know, there is some fantastic people, and Richard Saxby actually said this to me last year. You know, Aston Martin is actually one of those teams to look for in the future because, as much as whatever we think about Lawrence Stroll, he's got the money to pay good people to come in, and they're working exceptionally hard over a long term strategy to get that team to be because it is, it will probably at some point be a constructor, I imagine. Yeah. To get to its point, to, to be winning world championships. Well, that was my point. I was wondering, I think this might be the team to overtake their works team if anyone's there. If things go right for Aston, I wonder if they could potentially take Mercedes. Like genuinely, I think they're probably the one that has the opportunity this year because of the the skill and things that we have in, in Alonso, who's been outstanding through testing, and that car development has come a long way and they've gone kind of away from being a junior Mercedes, they've got the engine, but they've gone to be a junior Red Bull in their design philosophy. So they're kind of just like, I don't know. We haven't seen it in a long time where a constructor has taken over their works team. I wonder. I don't know. Cambie's probably going to disagree. No, hey, we haven't seen it in a long time. I don't think the way that the sport's been dominated over the last sort of, what, since 2010 – that era, really, we haven't seen teams jump up. The pecking orders remained pretty much the same. There's changes at the one, two and three place on mm. the grid, but other than that, everyone else is fighting for the scraps. So, um, yeah, look, Fernando is a hell of a driver and he's still got it. Yeah. And he, can oh, dri- yeah. he can drive anything. He can drive any car, any philosophy, he finds a way to make it quick. Two-time world champion, made some poor decisions in his career to move yeah. at wrong times. Emotional decisions as well. Yeah, yeah, but even in that McLaren when it was just an absolute heap of shit when he was driving with Jensen Button. Yeah. Some of the polar, some of the laps that he did in qualifying, there was one where I think he qualified fourth and it was just one of those laps of the gods. Everybody's watching it and you'd look at his lines through corners, Lewis and Rosberg stuffed it up and Danny Rick and Verstappen stuffed it. But Alonso came through in this piece of shit and just pulled something out of the car. Yeah. And that's the sort of driver that he is. Um, he's probably not the quickest over one lap, but it's just his race base. He's got so many tricks in the bag to to do so many things. And Mark yeah. Webber talks about uh, if you've got Fernando in your mirrors for a whole two and a half hours for a race, oh. it's going to be a long day that's and, you stressful. know, you're earning your money that day. So, yeah, look, I, I, I want to see Fernando do well because, I mean – 
he is as good as Verstappen and Lewis. You know, they're the three best drivers on the grid results-wise, but um, sometimes careers play out differently in F1 for a variety of reasons. But Alonso, he's still got that competitive edge between his teeth that he just wants to dominate. Sauber is very interesting to me. I think I've decided Valtteri Bottas is my guy this year. Um, absolutely, with his testing helmet too, the mullet helmet, which was bloody yes. phenomenal. Yeah, uh, we didn't see a lot of him. Well, we saw almost nothing of him in Drive to Survive, which is disappointing. But to me, over as Italiano said, like over the summer break, he kind of broke F1 internet because oh, yeah. all of his content was Even phenomenally Campy good. Saw it. That's how far it went. That's true. You did, didn't you? I did. Yeah, <laughs> good. Do a great mic technique. <laughs> but this is a team that, I mean, it's got a massively bright future. Audi uh, set to become a constructor, 2026. Um, engines are being developed now. You know, there's there's fresh blood in the team. Andreas Seidel is now in the team. You know, there is a lot of great momentum there. Uh, and one of the things I would say is that someone like Fred Vasseur who was, who's left there to go to Ferrari would have really set this team up quite well, yeah. I imagine, out of last year. So I think they'll hopefully we'll see some some good results. Then they got sixth though, which is a which is a good result for Sauber yeah. in the last couple of years. Definitely. Um, and Joe Guan Yu is, is, of course, he won Rookie of the Year last year because he was the only Rookie of the Year. <laughs> but he performed pretty well considering it yeah. was against Valtteri Bottas. So I'm interested to, to see how he goes this year. Well, and if we think about the other rookies we've seen in previous years, like I think his performance was solid. We weren't questioning him constantly like we have other young drivers years before where we were looking at uh, what's Mazepin. Who? Yeah, we were looking at other drivers and constantly questioning their their place. Whereas Joe, I don't think we really ever asked those questions. He was always consistent. Yep. He qualified well when possible. Like I think – exactly what you wanted from a, a second driver in their first year in a team like Sauber. Yeah. So I think you couldn't have asked more. And with a with a driver in Valtteri Bottas to learn from, yeah. you know, how could you possibly go wrong? He's in totally a different mindset now to his time in Mercedes, which is brilliant to see. And Campy, there's every chance that in 2026, Audi come out and absolutely romp everyone, you know, and suddenly Valtteri Bottas, if he stays with the team, is – winning a world championship. Like you just Love don't Sam. know what happens in this sport. But Andreas Seidelkamp is a good addition, I think, to that team. Yeah. He obviously saw the sinking ship of McLaren. Well, he knew well and truly what was going on and happy to jump off. Yeah, the Bane lookalike <laughs> with uh, his mask on when he's in McLaren. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Went over your head. Not really. Um, <laughs> oh, because I've seen Batman Bane. I was thinking, how does Campy's he speak? in different parts of the internet. Ah, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Strange corners of the internet. It's a good the tinfoil seg- beanie uh, section. It's a good yeah, segue yeah. for our yeah. NordVPN, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, they're not sponsoring this episode. <laughs> <laughs> they will be. Been. They will be in a couple of weeks' time. That's anyway. right. They're coming back. Um, yeah. Look, I'm excited for this team. I'm excited to see what Valtteri can do this year because uh, as his off season's been incredible. We've spoken about it. that mullet. People thought he'd get Doing rid of it. BMX, no, he's, you know, with you. He's strong, hard with it. He's oh, sorry. I just went over everyone's head. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> oh, I doing some BMX with Tiffany. Yeah, she's a BMX Tiffany Cromwell, world champion. Oh. champion BMX racer <laughs> from Australia. You doofus. <laughs> I, I just presume Tiffany Cromwell was this chick I was thinking of, but it's not the same chick no. that I was thinking of. So. No, but you there said you go. It, There's you said my ignorance on display once again. Uh, I apologise for it. Sorry for bringing it but, back uh, up. I just lo- I was listening to it in New York. <laughs> Like laughing on the streets like an idiot <laughs> as listening to you get it so wrong. Anyway, anyway, moving on, moving on. No, I'm excited sitting for this, in it. I'm excited sitting in the discomfort, Campy. It's how you grow. I'm expecting, I'm actually expecting Guan Yu Zhou to be. Uh, Joe Guan Yu. You know it's that. It's been that since, well, for, since say, the beginning of last year. Just say Joe. Joe. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm excited for his year this year. I think he showed enough on the back end of last year that he could be a, a genuine talent in this sport for years to come. And yeah. uh, we know what Valtteri's like as a teammate. He yeah. is he gives to the organisation and he's humble enough to not care about personal results at times if it's going to benefit the whole organisation as a whole. Guy's the thickest skin well in the I reckon. Totally. And he's been around the block. He knows how the game works and – I think his leadership and mentorship for a guy like Joe last year was uh, it showed to the back half of the year. I think Joe will step it up again this year. Um, 
I mean, he had some great battles with Piastri, yeah. particularly in the uh, you know that F two championship. Although Piastri was way better than him because he's and he's Aussie and he won it. But um, Joe will be good. I think Joe will come right. I think we've seen what happens with guys like Yuki when they get two or three years in these cars. Yeah, the progression in that second half of the second year is massive, and yep. I'd be expecting him to make that jump too. And it also. Makes a big difference, I think, being in a team that's got a lot of life in it again, you oh, know, and a lot of future confidence. prospects. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's good for both of them, to be honest. And I'm excited to see Seidel uh, not in papaya and actually as a CEO, and not just have the CEO randomly turning up and attend- getting all of the spotlight. Speaking of which, McLaren, Oof. Oscar oh. Piastri. Oof. Let's let's talk about the. No, actually, let's talk about Lando Norris first because uh, he exists still and is a driver at McLaren. Oh, man. That, like, I think he got done dirty by box-to-box there because he's come off worse than I think possible. He he does not look like the guy that's been betrayed on the social media that we've seen. He looked like a brat throughout uh, the Drive to Survive series. And I wonder if that's true or not, but that's how he was betrayed and that's how it came across. I don't... I think he gets underrated for how well he's done with that car that is a pig. Like he's done quite well to get the results he has. He's grown up there. He's That's all he knows is that kind of car and that kind of driving style. So I think that's helped him when others have been around as, as other teammates in opposition. But I think – I don't think he's going to be at McLaren forever if this continues would be what I'd say. He's he's probably not long for that if they don't get it together. I think we've all said many times in the last six, to six months that – he won't stay around if the team doesn't sort itself out. And by all accounts, the team has not sorted itself out. Um, let's talk about Oscar Piastri because uh, it is great that, you know, Italiano even said that he's going to be there supporting Oscar as well. And yeah. there was plenty of times, even last year, the Italiano was like singing the Australian National Anthem when Jack had won a race in yeah. F2. He had done similar things when Oscar was there as well in F2 and in F3, same for Jack and anyone else who was getting some results as an Australian. I love that. Like, yeah. And there is this really great little Australian um, crowd within Formula One. Um, there's Josh Cruz, who is the very tall social media manager for AlphaTauri, which in Camby you haven't seen this episode, but there's an episode in Drive to Survive of Yuki going through Japan for the first time as a Formula One driver, the circuit of Suzuka. And Josh is just like pushing people out of the way, but he's so much taller than everyone else. He could have literally just picked up Yuki and thrown him over the fence. <laughs> uh, it just looked like that. But Josh Cruz, again, legend. Uh, you got Alex Thompson, who's a social media manager for Alpine. Um, she's just recently got engaged to Jack Aitken, who filled in for George Russell at Williams uh-huh. when George went to uh, Mercedes when Lewis was sick. Like, So there's a cool little group of Australians who are all big supporters and all of them love Oscar and yeah. he, he, from by all accounts, he's a super lovely dude. He's grown up here in Melbourne. Um, I know a couple of people who grew up with him as well and they said he's just the kindest dude. He's not egotistical and I think that comes across as well. Yeah. yeah. He was portrayed, as you said, as, as this villain who has no integrity, yeah. which was complete bullshit. Well, especially coming from Otmar who had like previously been in another team less than 12 months before, yeah. calling out someone else who's been in a junior program for four years and still not given a drive after winning every championship possible on the trot. It's never happened. You don't go winning all of those championships all the way up to F1 and then get sat on the bench. It's never happened before. So for him to not get a seat and not be promised or shown anything and prioritised, of course he's going to start looking. It's idiotic to think otherwise. So for him to be claimed as this like guy without integrity and stuff I thought was just unfair from Otmar and box-to-box kind of chose to use that narrative and painted Oscar as this kind of guy who was – a bit cheeky and crafty and just looking to nefariously get his own own ways when you'd say we've got the, one of the best up-and-coming talents who's been many people have said is the next Max Verstappen, is the next kind of world champion in, in waiting, not in a car yet, which is just crazy. Mm. Yeah, and when you've got guys like Ocon driving your car, it's like seriously, what are you even doing? <laughs> when just giving multi-year contracts to people so there's no room oh, for Oscar. He- Right, he got absolutely spanked by Danny Ricardo in that year they spent together at uh, Renault. And then he came and performed two races in the start of the year against Fernando Alonso and gave him a fucking 300-year contract extension. Yeah. Ridiculous. That Anyway, look, I'm excited for Oscar this year. He's uh, obviously he's Australian, so we've got that connection. So we'll be on his on his train. But we've we haven't seen a kid come into Formula One with the reputation like he has since 
Max Verstappen. Yep. Before that, it was Lewis Hamilton. Before yep. that, it was, you know, your Fernando Alonso. So he's, uh, let's just hope that it's his career just follows the same trajectory yeah. as he's on. I don't think I'm nervous about McLaren this year. I, I, I alluded to it in the previous episode, our testing episode, where we I talked about McLaren. I do not think they will be the fifth best car and I do not think they'll be competing against the fourth and fifth best. I really think they'll drop down the drop down the pecking order this year. Yeah. Um, we've already heard rumours about the car and the development is not where they want it to be. They've got some big upgrades coming sort of uh, start of the European summer. So watch out there. I mm. think Zach Brown has done a lot for this organisation in – from when he arrived in the terms of branding, the way the team's perceived, getting back with Mercedes is a good coup. He's done everything right except for put a car on track that's worthy of the kudos that he, he's, he's got from us at times. Last year he pissed me off a bit just the way the whole Danny Rick situation played out. Um, we saw true colours. Well, no uh, true color yeah. than Tom Clarkson doing a an exclusive interview know, with the boss of McLaren under a McLaren branded video. That still annoys me. Of course, yeah. it's exclusive. It's your content. Anyway, yeah. I, I just don't think that team is settled in their design philosophy, and that we know how badly they got it wrong last year. Yep. And I think they're heading down the same path this year. But for Oscar, that doesn't matter. No, he will be judged about how he conducts himself on the on on Saturday and qualifying and then racing on, exactly. on, on Sunday. Well, and Minardi and HRT, Mark Webber, Daniel Ricciardo, those teams yeah. were no good. They're not going to get right up the front, but they're the teams where those yeah. two drivers yeah. Charles started. Charles Leclerc performed like for half a year in Sauber and they were like, well, yeah. to be fair though, that had an engine in it, which it was did, a Ferrari Jeremy, engine like, that maybe wasn't quite so good. Yeah, so to show something and big teams will take notes. Right place, right time for 100%. a guy like Leclerc. I mean, but he was racing Ericsson at that time. Yeah. And Ericsson was just as good as Leclerc was. Yeah, he'd yeah. just been there for a very long time and struggled and at the back. probably had some baggage. Yeah. 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 One of the interesting things will be because a lot of contracts are expiring in the next two years, it'll be interesting to see what come up, what comes up rather and yeah. where Oscar ends up. Finding himself. Let's talk about Alpine now. Uh, full French outfit. We've got uh, your favourite driver in. Well, both of your favourite drivers now. <laughs> I think they've had an estimate kind of yeah, Gasly, um, led by Otmar. The the philosophy of the car looks pretty good, and they looked pretty good last year. And, and Fernando got some great performances. Uh, of course, it's all thanks to, to Michael Italiano and Daniel Ricciardo, <laughs> probably. Still. Uh, still. Why not? Let's hold on to it. Uh, but otherwise, this is, a, again, it's a team that is an actual manufacturer producing their yep. own yep. power units and their own everything. Yeah. If they are able to get it together, geez, wouldn't it be good to actually see them be fighting towards the front? Take take the driver line out for me. I'll answer this without talking about the okay, two drivers. Okay, great, yeah. Because you guys know I'm not the biggest fan of Gasly. Are you not? <laughs> what? I'm confused. And that was because of the stint that he had in Red Bull and how badly he performed back then. Ocon, I'm not the biggest fan of because he showed a lot when he was racing for the racing point after the yeah. Force India days. And then that year that he had first back against Danny Rick, I was like, this guy's second rate and Don't rubbish. You thought you weren't going to talk about the driver line. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. I had no. to do it. Otmar is a team principal. I miss having you in, in the, the, the studio. I was given some background. Yeah, I was given – just let dick. it – it's called context, Tommy. <laughs> just leave – Please continue. Otmar. Give it some room to develop. <laughs> um, we got all day, mate. It's not Lord of the Rings, mate. We don't have all day. <laughs> uh, Otmar is a team principal when he was running Force India, Racing Point, when they had a whole merger of that saga. Pound for pound, they were probably the quickest quickest car on the grid for the resources that they yeah, had. Yeah, agreed. And unfortunately for him, I think he got forced out of the Aston Martin seat because of the direction that they took from copying that Mercedes and then the next – it was really good for that year that Perez won his race. Then the following year when the car wasn't good, they'd Scapegoat. gone – he got scapegoated. So for me, he's good for that organisation. I don't like how he handled last year, but he is a 
he's the right man to be running that team. Great decision by Alpine to bring him across when they did yeah. last year. Uh, unfortunately for him, they lost Fernando, but Fernando was gone anyway. He's, you know, that, that's the role. This team looks good. Hmm. They got the fourth in the constructors last year. Do I think they'll match it with the top three? I'm not sure, oh. but they'll be a hell of a lot closer than they were last year. Testing, they they looked solid. And it's very, 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 very important to note that their reserve driver for this year is Jack Doohan. Yeah, yeah, and Jack Doohan's in that organisation. He's not setting the grid alight like we saw Oscar did, but Jack has put in. Last year he he won he came second in an F three championship when Oscar won the F two, then jumped up into F two. I think he did a couple of races that year. Yeah, at the end, and he was right up the front, and he yeah. was quick. He had made some mistakes and crashed. That's all good. Last year he didn't put the whole year together. But he's doing more than enough to secure himself. He's doing plenty. Yeah, doing plenty. He wasn't in his first year in F3 or whatever it was. He's he's somewhat of a a slower to adapt. He's not a quick learner in that respect, but he does get there and he shows that he has the ability to adapt and eventually get to the top of each division of motorsport he's in. He's at the top of the pecking order. He's at the top of the pecking order for that Alpine organization in their junior driver. Yeah, they lost a couple last year, which elevated him to that. But he's firmly their number one. And I think that's a benefit for him. Oh, yeah, Because sure. they've realised how much they stuffed all of that up. So they'll be figuring out how they can lock him in because he is a talent and he maybe isn't as naturally talented as what we saw with Oscar, but it might just be a different set of talents that means that he is able to perform in a different way. But for an organisation that had a guy like Joe and Piastri yep. as the number one and two choice for their junior program. Who aren't in their top team now. To lose both of them yeah. to different organisations because they didn't get a job in Formula One with Alpine says to me that, there's something a bit awry going on behind closed doors. At least in the junior aspect. I, I just do not understand why you'd have two talents like that and not give them a the shot problem in Formula that, 1. To be fair, though, to Alpine, not that I really want to, the problem is that they don't have any other teams that are taking their power units like yeah. Mercedes and Ferrari. So yeah. it's very difficult. If you're happy with Fernando Alonso, I mean, it's either going to cost you a fortune because they were stupid enough to sign Esteban for that long. So it's going to cost that's them a so fortune to pay him out. I think that's 100%. the issue. Give him the money. Don't give him the years. That was the problem. Oh, they should have just, like they did with Valtteri, we'll put you on singles because we've got Oscar Piastri here who's probably going to be better than you. Like, that should be a motivator for Ocon to do well. Is like, oh, Whereas well. he's just comfortable now. He has no anyway, desire it's good to, to get better. It's good to see Jack doing there. Let's let's yes. keep going. Uh, Mercedes, the finished third last year, uh, George Russell, Lewis Hamilton, the car is back to black. There's a lot of that carbon fibre in, in every it's livery. Paint, you know? um, it does look good though. <laughs> uh, it does look good. Could you hear Cam? His eye roll just I think it looks bloody fantastic. Yeah, and it does. and it doesn't look, I'm not going to use the P word, it doesn't look like it's bouncing as much as it did this time last year. So with that stability comes a little bit more confidence in the car. Um hats off to the stubbornness of not having side pods though. Like good on them. Like, yeah, it's so interesting at the I top. Like that they we're like, no, we think this is the way, we're continuing and it's gonna work. But it's, it's kind of like a, a bit up the top, yeah, which is very different. similar to Red Bull in terms of how it's sort of trying to direct air towards the rear of the car, but the pod doesn't exist underneath yeah. it. I love it. I love yeah. that it's different. It's Ferrari, you got the Ferrari style, the, the Mercedes style, and the Red Bull style. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic that they haven't all just gone bugger it, we're all just gonna copy Adrian Newey. Yeah, well the style of regulations you'd hope this is what happens there's lots of different ways to figure out how best to put a car together with the regulations at hand towards the end of the regulations everyone has the same car because everyone's figured out what's faster year to year. there's lots of philosophies on going fast yeah we've got 10 different ones on the grid and at times in certain qualifyings certain races certain, certain tracks, races yeah they're only nine tenths apart yeah. For the amount cool of re- that? That's the crazy. amount of resources that they put into yeah. putting these cars on track and the differences across all of them, for them to perform so closely at times is is, is uh, just incredible. Yeah, we love to see it. Toto will be, I mean, there were his targets on the back of everyone still from the end of 2021, I think, for him. But they will really want to be making leaps and bounds like they did in the last couple of rounds. Of course, we know George Russell won the Brazilian Grand Prix, which was unlikely, wasn't it, at the beginning of the year if you think about how poorly they were performing. So he will really want to be stepping it up, but yeah. the reality is 
Ferrari, as much as they binned Bonotto, which was the wrong decision, we've sort of spoken about that so we can move on to be talking about Fred Vasseur. As much as, as that is an organisation that was struggling a little bit, I think Fred is a very good choice if you had to replace team principal for another team principal to get into that organisation and bring about an air of change enough to make better strategy calls, make better pit stops and adjust the mindset to be winning because Campy, the, the car last year, pretty much the entire year was still incredibly quick. It was oh. everything else that was going on that was stuffing Charles and Carlos up. Oh, if you look at that car over one lap, what it got 15 of the 22 poles for the year, which was the reverse for, you know, race wins for Red Bull and Ferrari. But um, they are quick over one, over one lap and – Whatever Bonotto did with that engine, we've heard rumours about how much more horsepower is in it this year. I, I, I don't buy into that. I think that's Ferrari media campaign 101. No, <laughs> that's never. The, that's the sandbagging we hear right there. But the car looks quick. And if they can sort out that race pace, get that correlation between one lap to a race pace over race distance. Even just consistent be- strategy stuff. Like oh. we Drive to Survive, they focused on Monaco and the double pit stop and just the diabolical nature of that. It's like at no point was anyone at home who's fresh to F1 even thinking that. Mm. They know that, oh, Monaco, you don't pit if you don't have to. Like if I'm If I'm a team principal, for me, my job is so much not about – Strategy. Yeah. I pay employees or I head up employees to handle this stuff because we go racing 22 races of the year and you've got, you've got one job and that's, you've got weeks and weeks to prepare for strategy for this. Yep. I'm trying to see an overall, a whole organization employs X amount of people that spends hundreds of millions of dollars putting a car on track with the smartest, most technical people and then a culture behind me that's a shit show at the best of the time. If I'm Bonotto, the last thing I'm worried about is strategy. Yeah. And that was probably ultimately his downfall. I think the dumbest thing Ferrari did was sack Bonotto. Not that I was his biggest fan at times, but you need continuity in these organisations. Now, if Ferrari come out and produce a car and put it on track this year and get things right, are we going to be saying – this is Freddie Vasseur's car or is this Bonotto's car? Yeah. Well, we'll say it's Bonotto's car because it's, it's totally Bonotto's 100, car. It's totally 100% first Bonotto's car. Yeah. But at least that will give him some validation for the yeah. for the work that he put in and done. So, Do you think we'll be able to see, in terms of what I'm saying about Fred coming in and maybe gripping some some stuff up and some fresh air? Some accountability almost. Well, But the, do you think that will be enough for Carlos and for Charles because – Realistically, as we said, yeah. you know, over the Drive to Survive episode, if they don't sort it, if Ferrari don't sort it out, where do these two drivers go? Yeah, you can keep trying to give them the equipment. You can keep kind of giving these things, but this organization is not producing wins. The drivers are good enough. The car was good enough. It was Ferrari as an organization was not good enough to deliver what those two drivers needed to get consistent results. And I think they'll get fed up and someone like Leclerc will be knocking on other doors if he can to try and go to I'll go sit next to Max and the other Red Bull then like if that's going to be more consistent car and more consistent culture I can get race wins I think I'm better than Max whether he is or isn't he thinks he is he'll be getting out of Ferrari if he thinks he's getting sabotaged to some degree and not being supported I've said it before when do Red Bull well sorry when do Ferrari start throwing the throwing the uh the shade at their drivers like they've done to every other driver that's been in there. Yeah. The world champions that have come through there and not had any results at Ferrari is like disgraceful. When does that happen because the results don't get on track? And Bernardo took the brunt of that last year. Yeah. And the drivers didn't see any of it. And I can understand why too, but I just think that you've got a short lifespan in F1, particularly in Ferrari historically. I don't think they're going to let Leclerc and Sainz go another two seasons without the results and no. not delivering them a world championship before them saying, okay, this didn't work, let's reset, let's go with someone else. Yeah, I feel like Sainz is going to cop the brunt of it, if I'm, if I'm honest. He's the scapegoat in waiting. Yeah. Rightly or wrongly, I think that guy is very talented and he's very unlucky with things that have happened to him. But on his best day with the right team and the right car, he is excellent. For me, Sainz is a bit like a Mark Webber. And I don't yeah. mean that in a begrudging kind of way because I'm Mark Webber's biggest fan. But when Webber got it right, he was unstoppable. 
and he went toe-to-toe with the best of the best probably in the history of the sport and went deep into a world championship. Unfortunately for him, he didn't get the job done and he lost that championship in a couple of different races. But for me, Sainz is a bit the same. All the talent, all the pace, the hard work, the determination, the grit to get there. But there's just that, that magic sometimes that just... You'd scratch your head out and go, why is this happening to signs all the time? And I used to do that with Weber, particularly starts. Yeah. Like, why can't you put a start together, man? Mm. From rooting, I want you to do well, but why can't you put a start? And I think signs is a bit like that for me. Yeah. But he's a great, great contributor, great for the sport, great personality. Love what he did with his dad in Dakar this year. And that's a great relationship, big heritage. And I hope he proves me wrong. I hope mm. he goes and wins that championship at some stage in his career. Because could be this year. And he's gone. You look at his career trajectory in the teams that he's driven for. Went into the it was Toro Rosso. Yeah, he's a Rebel Junior with first. Max with Max. Yeah, and you know he was shunned just because of what Max did. Then he went into the Renault for a few years, and then he changed from Renault to McLaren. McLaren, McLaren and then from Danny's McLaren. chased him everywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, look. But he's got that draw in Ferrari because he is one of the best on the grid at the moment. 100%. But Red Bull are going to be hard to beat this year, lads. Uh, They come in with a lot of momentum from the previous two years. Now, they did have some reduced wind testing, wind tunnel testing time, didn't they, because of the the violations. But realistically, when the car was that good already uh, from last year, Adrian Newey doesn't maybe need all that much testing. Uh, now they've got all the data anyway from from testing they've done those those three days. Do you think we're going to see a massive gap ahead, uh, or do you think we're potentially going to be looking at Mercedes or Ferrari or even Alpine reeling them in significantly? Tommy, let's let's start with you. I don't think it's going to get closer. I think it's going to get further away. I think there's going to be a separation between Red Bull and Ferrari. Red Bull were a bit shaky to start the year last year, we remember, but I think you're going to see that qualifying and race match up much more to Red Bull's favour, whereas Ferrari had the one lap pace and would qualify well and get pole, and then Red Bull would just go, catch you later, we're going to beat you on strategy and race pace. I think it's going to be qualifying and race pace this year. That car looks pretty unbeatable. It looks so comfortable in every corner, every aspect. It puts power down so seamlessly, and I think that driver lineup is... Arguably one of the better ones. Like Perez is very good driver. Uh, and he said it and it was, it was well pointed out. It's like it is a mindfuck being the driver who has to go up against Max Verstappen because he just does things that shouldn't be possible. Like he can be later on the brakes than everyone and still maintain traction. He can be earlier on the throttle than anyone and somehow makes it work. Anyone tries to replicate it, spun in a corner, in a wall. Like to be his teammate would be one of the most brutal things in F1. Uh, and for Perez to do the best we've seen since Daniel Ricciardo, I think needs to get some credit. And he has been putting in solid results and sixth and fifths and seconds and thirds and podiums. I think we'll see that much more consistently this year. Up until halfway through the year when he's replaced by Daniel. Other than that. <laughs> uh, I, I think opposite. I think the gap will be smaller. Okay. And I think we will be more judgmental of Perez and the results he's getting because that gap's getting smaller. Perez won't be able to get some of the results that he got last year. And I think it'll be a bit like the Hamilton-Bottas era where we expected Bottas to play that number two role at times, but he didn't have the pace to compete. I think it'll be Max up the front and the gap between Max and Perez will get massive. I mean, if you look at some of the on-track clubbings that Max Verstappen handed out last year... I'm talking 45, 50 seconds over his teammate. Suzuka was insane. Uh, in the wet. In the wet. In the wet. And what was the other one where Checo was leading by 15 seconds at some stage and Max ended up winning it by 30 yeah, seconds? Mate. The pace that Max has in that car is undeniable. And I think he'll go on to win it. But I think the gap will be a bit slower. I think we'll see a lot more on track battles. But Max is just will prevail because he's that good. All right. Who is going to be the champion in 2023? Max Who is going to be the champion Max. in 2023? Great. I think Charles Leclerc is going to do it. I think Ferrari. Yeah. Are going to, yeah, I think Ferrari are going to sort it out enough. And with the benefit of his relationship with Fred Vasseur, which has been from junior categories, including his first team in Formula One to now, I think that's going to be enough of an edge for him mentally to get into a spot 
to be the champion. And also, I don't want Max to win another one. I don't want Formula One to get into a spot again where we just go Red Bull, Mercedes, 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 Red Bull, Red Bull, Red Bull. Like, don't, yeah. We're done with that. Let's have many different winners. Uh, I'd love to see different podiums this year. I'd love to see Haas get on a podium this year. Uh, and yeah. I think that's going to be my outside ridiculous prediction is that Nico Hulkenberg is going to get yeah. his podium with Haas. It's going to be a third. There's no way it can be a second or first, let's be honest. Um, but 23 opportunities and it's all going to start in Bahrain. Now, listeners, you've got three things uh, to do at the end of this episode. The first is the F1 Fantasy team name competition has already begun. The website is... It's not open at the time of recording this, but I've just checked when it opens, 12 hours from now. Um, will be open when you're listening to this. So the link will be in the description for you to go and set up a, a team name. Now, the fantasy team name competition is two. It'll be, you will give a prize out for the winner of the entire points thing. So you need to be in for the first race to sort that out. And also for the best team name through the year. Uh, the second thing to do is to jump across to our Discord server. If you uh, don't have Discord and you're scared of like, technology like Campy is, Campy does have Discord, don't you? You He's actually use me. it. He's better know. than Tommy T. But it's a great community. There's about 375 people now um, who are awesome from all across the world talking about wonderful things to do with Formula 1 and other random stuff too. It's, it's a really good, safe little community that we've got there. And finally, if you want to support the show, good news, everybody. Pre-order is now open for our Lakeside Drive cap. We've got a, a cord cap in a beautiful dusty pink with a Lakeside Drive embroidered logo on the front of it. Um, looks bloody fantastic. You can find the details in the link below uh, in the show notes, I should say, and on our website. So that's set for pre-order and uh, we'll ship those in a couple of weeks when they're all done and dusted. But lads, I'm bloody excited for this year. It's yeah, going to so be, be so good. It's nice to have some energy back. Yes. Uh, Tommy, thank you. It's uh, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to the coffee as well. We'll um, hopefully turn that on very, very soon. Uh, and the design's going to be good. The name's going to be good. I can already see it. And Campy's bloody excited to, to do as much content as possible this year too, aren't you, mate? Oh, I am. I am. It'll be a good year. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. If you want to, you can leave a rating or review on Apple or on Spotify if you want to do that. Otherwise, we will see you very, very shortly because it is a, it's Formula One week. Boys, we yeah. got it. It's Bahrain is this weekend. Heaps of content coming out. You make sure you stick around for it. See ya. No, it wasn't too bad though. You flew first class at one point. You were very proud. You took a photo yeah, and sent it to me. Between New York and first Chicago. Class. No, it's business class, well, guys. What's that? Yeah. Come on. The US. Yeah, yeah like nearly three. Yeah. But it was because the upgrade was 75 bucks US, but it was going to cost me $42 to check the bag anyway. I was like, you idiots. Done. <laughs> they were like, you with, idiots. First, with first class, you got two check bags. I was like, done. I was going to pay you $40. I paid you 70 instead, and now I'm in the best seat. Idiots. And I love that you were like, out of all of my friends, I know you're going to be the one yeah. that appreciates the most. So I just yes, said I did. I was like, you appreciate this. What, what was it? A seat A1. I was like, yeah, 1A. Uh, right. Would you like to do an intro for us? No. Okay. Would you like to do an intro for us? <laughs> Hell no. Okay. Sports Social Podcast Network.